Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Did you notice that? I walked in from the other side. I'm unpredictable, I'm crazy. Okay, Southside Church online and Southside Church in person. We're in this six-week series called Five, and my goal is that we would be a people of prayer. You notice I didn't say perfect people, but we would be people of prayer. The inspiration for this series came to me last summer. I was reflecting on a passage in the New Testament. James chapter four, verse two says this, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. That's a pretty huge statement. You don't have because you don't Ask. I want to unpack that for a bit. Romans 10 verse 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation. And I think salvation plays out on three levels. Number one, Jesus becomes our savior. In other words, Jesus brings you past your past, which is a really good thing because I think one of the universal aspects of the human condition is this deep desire, maybe even frustration or agony over the fact that we long to change an unchangeable past. That if we could go back and undo some of the things that we've done, unsay some of the things that we've said, man, we would love to do that. If we could go back and avoid some of the bad things that have happened to us, we would do that. And yet here we are living in this tension longing to change an unchangeable past, and yet Jesus stepped into human history and he died for us. So that when we follow Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, immediately our sins are forgiven, they're gone. And gradually our hurts even are healed step by step. So the first level of salvation is that Jesus becomes our savior. Second level, Jesus reconciles us to God the Father. In the beginning God, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the way that it was meant to be is that creator God was meant to be in unbroken relationship with creation, including you and me, which is a really good thing, too, because God is love. God is beauty. God is joy. God is strength. God is peace. God is hope. So when we live in unbroken relationship with him, we have access to all of that. And way back at the beginning, back in the time of Adam and Eve, sin entered the picture, and that unbroken relationship was broken. So we went from living in a way that was right into a way that was wrong. And so the second level of salvation is that we are reconciled to God, that when Jesus died on the cross, he performed for us what we refer to as the beautiful exchange. That on the cross, Jesus took all our wrong and gave us all his right so that we are reconciled to God. Here's how far it goes. God doesn't look at you and overlook your wrong. It's not there. It's been removed. You're as right as right can be right now. Reestablish that connection with beauty, love, hope, strength. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but forever. You maybe heard that referred to as eternal life, or you go to heaven when you die, and that's good. But I want to explain that just for a moment, that God's with us forever. It means that 
when we step into eternity, we're going to realize just how beautiful God is, just how great God is, that he's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. See, the Bible says the stuff that we look at today, it's like looking through a glass darkly. Can you take a second right now and think of your best of the best moment? Or a couple moments where where you thought to yourself, man, it just doesn't get any better than this. I could give you a lot of mine. I've said before that in those moments, I often go back to a, an outdoor hockey rink in the middle of a subdivision near Red Deer, Alberta. And the lights are on because it's, it's night and we're playing hockey. You can see your breath. And then you take a break and you lean, up, you lean out over those boards and you look up into a sky full of stars and you think to yourself, man, it doesn't get any better than this. Or for me, I even think back to last Christmas. A full house. Corinne and Tori and Josh and Noah, Lucas and Lexi, Emma, Vigeli, Gabe, Bedza, Samuel. The house was full, but maybe not as full as my heart. And I thought to myself, man, it doesn't get better than this. See, what I want to suggest to you is that those moments are so beautiful and so important. And the Bible says, that's like looking through a glass darkly. Like, that's just a taste. It's kind of like this. Like, if I gave you a faded photograph a picture that you could look at, a two-dimensional image of a mountain meadow. And you looked at it and you thought, wow, that that faded image is pretty cool. That looks like a, a pretty neat place to be. But then I could snap my fingers and put you in that meadow. And suddenly it would go from two-dimensional to multi-dimensional. You'd be in that meadow. You'd feel the sun on your face, the wind in your hair. You'd hear the sound of an eagle soaring way, way up above you. You'd smell the flowers. You'd feel the grass on your hands. That's the difference. That moment, those moments that you have, you say, this is as good as it gets. That's just the beginning. That's like a faded two-dimensional photograph. It's just a taste of what's to come. That's salvation. Salvation on three levels. Number one, Jesus becomes your savior. Number two, you are reconciled to God, not just today or tomorrow, but forever. And thirdly and finally, Jesus sends us his Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 11 says it this way, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now alive and well and working in you. The same Holy Spirit power that raised Jesus from the dead is now alive and well and working in you as soon as you put your faith in Jesus. And here's what's crazy. When I give you those three levels of salvation, I think the third one might be the hardest to believe. Level one, Jesus becomes our savior. We get that. I think we all live with the agony of longing to change an unchangeable past. And that desire, it just makes sense to us that this strong desire like that must have a fulfillment. And the fulfillment is Jesus and he brings us past our past. And we think of the fact that Reconciled to God. 
Not just today, not just tomorrow, but forever. And something inside of you and something inside of me says, wait a minute, there's got to be more to life than this. And of course there is. We wouldn't think that so often unless that longing too had a fulfillment. Level three, we would live powerful lives because the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and well and working in you and working in me. And that's tough to believe sometimes. Now, I could stand up here and I could give you all kinds of examples. There was this guy, he went to church for years, you know, and yet seemed powerless in the face of self-pity, powerless in the face of his anger, powerless in the face of his greed, powerless in the face of his gossip. But I'm not going to talk to you about some guy or some woman. Let's talk about me for a second. See, every once in a while, I wonder... Why, why I feel so powerless in the face of anxiety. Now, I would tell you that it's getting better, but I look back at my life and I see those times that I've been caught up in this whirlwind of what if, 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 longing to control an uncontrollable future. And here's the thing, and maybe you can relate just a little bit. Here's the thing. I know in my head... I know in my head that when I feel out of control, I can always remember that there is a God who is with me, who loves me, and he's for me, and he's totally in control, and he's gone before me into tomorrow. And I get that up here, but every once in a while, I wonder why I feel powerless to bring it from here to here. Or sometimes I wonder why I feel powerless in the face of hurt. You know, when someone says something about me, smears me behind my back, or even says something straight to my face, I know up here, I know up here, that the Bible says that if God is for me, who can be against me? I understand that I can live my life for an audience of one. I have nothing to prove and only one to please, and that's God, and he loves me, and he's for me. I get that up here. But every once in a while, I wonder why I feel powerless at times to move it from here to hear. Can you relate a little bit? Sometimes feeling powerless in the face of frustration, powerless in the face of impatience. James chapter 4, verse 2. You don't have because you don't ask. Hmm. See, in this six week series called Five, I do want us to become a people of prayer. I do. And so what I've been trying to do is give us five steps that we can take in as few as five minutes a day. We talked about a review. We talked about rejoicing, being grateful. We talked about repenting. Next week, I want to talk about reflection. Please, let me say, whether you're watching online or in person right now, I've heard back from so many people about how much this series is helping them. I'm so happy to hear that. Let's finish this thing off well. Do not miss next week. Next week I want to talk about the fact that God really wants you to live with a sense of wide-eyed wonder in a world that seemingly is doing everything in its power to beat that wonder out of us. I really believe that's how we are born to live. So make it a priority to be here next week, online or in person. Invite everyone you can. But today, I want to talk about request. You don't have, because you don't ask. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter seven, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, 
knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks will receive and anyone who seeks will find and the door will be open to those who knock. You notice how there's an increasing intensity in those three steps. You ask, then you seek, and then you knock. And I used to get a little bit discouraged when I read that because I thought, what does that mean that God only listens to me if I throw a temper tantrum? You know, if I lie down on the ground and beat my fists on the floor, that God will finally listen to me. But as I was reading through the passage in preparation for today, it hit me. No, 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 that's not the case at all, because what does it say? When you ask, you'll actually receive. And when you seek, you'll actually find. And when you knock, the door will actually be open to you. So it's not a a temper tantrum type thing. So what's Jesus saying when he gives us those three steps of increasing intensity? Here's what he's saying. Be real. Pray from your heart. Pray from your gut. Don't, don't, don't pray the prayer that a good Christian would pray. Don't pray the prayer that you think you're supposed to be praying. Be real. It's hard to do because we live in a world that I think is kind of captivated by this thought of indifferent nonchalance. Indifferent nonchalance. You ever notice that? Like, let's imagine that you and me are planning on hanging out. Three weeks from now, we're going to go golfing. And you told me that you would pay, and I'm Dutch, and so now I'm extra excited, right? So we're, we're going to go golfing in, in three weeks, and I'm stoked. And, and I'm so excited. I've changed a bunch of plans to make sure I can fit it into my schedule. We're going to go golfing, and you're going to pay, and it's going to be great. And, and the day comes, and I arrive at the course a half an hour early, and I'm there warming up on the range, getting ready to golf. And then my phone rings, and I pick it up, and it's you. And you say, can't make it. Now, what I want to say in that moment is, oh, come on, man. I was so stoked about this. I changed my plans. I really, really wanted to golf today. I'm super disappointed. But indifferent nonchalance says that the conversation goes differently. You call, and you say, can't make it. And I say, can't make what? Oh, yeah, golf. Mm, Yeah, I totally forgot about that. We were going to golf? Yeah, yeah, I don't care. I'm kind of glad, actually. Or you're in school and you say, well, I failed that test. I don't care. I didn't even study. Yeah, I know you didn't study, but you wanted to pass. We lost that game in double overtime, but you can't win them all. I know, but you really wanted to win that one, didn't you? Someone walks up to me and says, hey, Mike, leaving the church. I'm leaving the church. The sermons, ah, they're just not hitting me. Sermons just aren't hitting me. In that moment, you know what I feel like doing? As the person who preaches those sermons? Hitting you, okay? Like, my elbow to your forehead. And going, did you feel that? You know? But indifferent nonchalance says, oh, the sermons. Yeah, 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 talk groovy. Peace, man. Oh, awesome. I get, hey, hey, I don't even like them. I preach these sermons and I don't like them. Let's be honest. Indifferent nonchalance. God's not looking for your indifferent nonchalance. Be real. Pray from the heart. Pray from the gut. God's not looking to heal the person you're pretending to be. God's not looking to help the person you're pretending to be. God's not looking to empower the person you're pretending to be. So be you. Don't pray prayers that a good Christian would pray. Don't pray the prayers that you think you should pray. Just pray from the heart. So I got this counselor. I got this counselor. I won't give you his name. I will just call him the silent sentinel. 
Okay, the silent sentinel. There's a few friends that highly recommended the silent sentinel to me, and the reason they did is because they know my history with counselors over the last 10 years or so. I've had a couple of them, okay? And the thing about me is when I go see a counselor, <laughs> this is gonna sound weird, but when I go see a counselor, I don't really like to talk about myself. I don't like to tell stories about myself because here's the thing. I've heard that story before, man. You know what I mean? I've probably told that story before. So what I will often do is when I go see a counselor, I'll say something like this. Well, they'll say, hey, Mike, how are you? And I'll go, good, how are you? And they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm doing fine. I say, really? Are you? Are you really? Because it must be tough, right? Being a counselor, carrying the weight of everybody else's problems, how do you deal with that? How do you compartmentalize that? How do you move on through your life like that? I'm interested to know. So that's how the relationship begins. And there was a couple counselors I had that I'd be walking around and I'd get a phone call from them. And they'd say, Mike, I'm going through a real tough time. Can you help me? <laughs> I told Corinne, she got really mad at me. She's like, oh, I'm glad that you're helping the counselors, Mike, but that's kind of not the point, okay? So, so, so they recommended, these friends of mine recommended this silent sentinel. I'm going to give you a quick summary of my first five meetings with a silent sentinel, okay? Meeting number one. It's on Zoom, which makes it a little extra awkward, okay? <laughs> Meeting number one, Silent Sentinel says to me, hi, Mike, how are you? And I go, I'm good, Silent Sentinel, how are you? He's like, I'm fine. I'm like, wow, like, what's new and exciting? You stay insane in the middle of COVID? Like, how are things, man? He's like, the floor is yours. <laughs> he just sits there, and I'm like, uh. And I hate awkward silence, okay? So now I'm thinking, oh man, I gotta talk, I gotta talk, I gotta fill all the silence. This is gonna be a long 45 minutes. So I start to talk, but before I talk, I'm thinking, man, does that sound stupid? I don't know if I should say that. Does that sound like something the pastor should say? Is that really wise what I'm about to say? By the end of 45 minutes, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm like an e-bike rider with a dead battery, okay? Like, I'm just absolutely done. <laughs> Session two, same thing. Same thing, just exhausted by the end with the silent sentinel. Hi, Mike, the floor is yours. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much. So after session number two, I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. And Corinne says, I can't. So session number three. <laughs> session, session number three comes, and I say to myself, okay, Silent Sentinel, two can play your silly little game. Okay? Starts out, hi, Mike, how are you? I'm fine. <laughs> 45 minutes, probably 45 words. The weird thing is, I'm feeling so awkward, he doesn't seem awkward at all. I get done session number three, I'm like, I quit. Corinne says, I can't. So I go into session number four, okay? Same thing, I'm like, I'm not talking, I'm not gonna be awkward, but it's so awkward, he doesn't seem awkward at all. I decide to quit, Corinne says, I can't. So I get into session number five. Starts out this way. Hi, Mike, how are you? The floor is yours. I'm like, good, good. I'm glad the floor is mine, silent sentinel. Because here's the thing. How am I doing? I'm annoyed. You annoy me, Silent Sentinel, because you never talk. And it's really annoying. And I tell him everything that annoys me about him, and now I'm on a roll. So I start telling him everything that annoys me about everything. And I'm just going. And for the first time, the 45 minutes are over. He's like, time's up. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just started. I'm on a roll. And I got off the call, and I said, you sneaky, silent sentinel, you. That's the thing. Just be you. Pray from the heart. Pray from the gut. 
What are you feeling? You're feeling like, man, the greatest thing that I want in my life right now is traveling mercies and convenient parking. That my team would win the game this afternoon. You know, that's what I want to pray for. That I want to pray that she would date me, that he would notice me, that we would win the lottery. That's great, then pray it. And then Jesus says, Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. Now, there are people, uh, there's a movement called the Word Faith Movement. The Word Faith Movement. Otherwise known as Blab It and Grab It. Okay, what the, the, blab it, the Word Faith Movement says this. That if you pray the right way, if you use the right words, if you have enough faith, whatever you pray for, you're going to get. God's going to give it to you. He has to. Now, I think that's a pretty big point, and so I want to move on with what Jesus is saying. So Jesus says, everyone who asks will receive, and anyone who seeks will find, and the door will be opened to those who knock. You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who Ask him. You ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a rock. You ask him for fish, he's not going to give you a snake. Now, the word faith movement would say this. Okay, like, so if I ask him for bread, he for sure isn't giving me a rock. I'll tell you that right now. In fact, he's going to say this. Would you like honey oat, whole wheat, or rye? Can I give you that thin sliced or thick sliced? You know what, that toasted or plain? If I ask for a fish, he's not going to give me a snake. I'll tell you that right now. In fact, he's going to ask me what kind of fish I want. Salmon? Great. Would you like that sautéed, pan-fried, or grilled? How would you like that? In other words, when I pray and I say, God, jump, he says, how high? It doesn't really sound like God, though, does it? It kind of sounds like a cosmic jukebox. Like, I want Def Leppard photograph. A seven, do what I tell you to do. That doesn't sound much like God. So can we make sure that we get this? Because it's pretty important. Jesus said, if you ask for bread, he ain't gonna give you a rock. He's not gonna give you a rock, but he might not give you bread. Whoa. If you ask him for fish, he's not gonna give you a snake. But he might not give you fish. He might give you something way better. How much more? How much more does God want to give you? So let's go back to the dude that's praying. God, please, please let her date me. You know, when I talk to a guy that's doing that, please, please, please let me date her. Let her date me. I I say something like this. I say, yeah, remember, God loves you, but he also loves her too, you know, so he might say no. (laughs) No, no, like, Here's the truth, like, God might change your situation. He might. Like, you might pray, God, help her to date me, and one day you walk up, and she's like, man, how come I never noticed you're so cool? It's amazing. God could do that. He might do that. But instead of changing your situation, he might do so much more than that, he might actually change you. He might actually change you instead. What I mean is like all of a sudden inside of you, you might realize, man, why am I so obsessed with that girl? Maybe because she's like hard to get. And there's like all these people around me that I should maybe get to know. Or maybe he'll go even deeper and have you come to this realization. Uh, I don't really need anybody to complete me. 
It'd be great if it works out, but for right now, I'm good. I got God, and I'm okay. How much more would that be than just getting that girl to date you? See, when you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a rock, but he might give you way more. When you ask for fish, he's not going to give you a snake, but he might give you way more. Sometimes he'll change your situation, and sometimes he'll change you. Sometimes he'll deliver you from adversity, and sometimes he'll deliver you through adversity. Ephesians 3.20 says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ask or request in your wildest dreams. God can do anything, far more than you could ask or request or imagine in your wildest dreams. And then it continues. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. It's important. It's important because there's people that look at somebody who is broke. They look at someone who is broke, and they say, well, you must not have enough faith. They look at somebody who is sick, and they say, huh, you must not have enough faith. Because if you had faith... You would just ask God to bring you money, and it would have showed up. If you, if, if you had faith, you would ask God to heal you, and he would heal you, so you must not have a lot of faith. Man, if you're having relational problems, family issues, people look at you and go, you must not have enough faith, because if you had faith, God would fix it all. It's interesting. Let me blow your mind for a second. talked about this earlier, right? That creation was meant to live in unbroken relationship with the creator, with God. But somewhere along the line, that got broken. And so now you and me, we live in a broken world where, listen, bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 16, in this world you will have trouble. I don't believe God caused any of the bad things that have happened to you. You ready though? Because this is really, really important. He allowed it. He's God, right? So, so while I can say confidently he caused none of those bad things to happen to you, he allowed them. C.S. Lewis said it this way, the more we believe that God hurts only to heal, the less we can believe that there is any use in begging for tenderness. A cruel man might be bribed, but suppose that what you are up against is a surgeon whose intentions are wholly good. The kinder and more conscientious he is, the more inexorably he will go on cutting. If he yield to your entreaties, if he stopped before the operation was complete, all the pain up to that point would have been useless. But is it credible that such extremities of torture should be necessary for us? Well, take your choice. The tortures occur. If they are unnecessary, then there is no God or a bad one. If there is a good God, then these tortures are necessary, for no even moderately good being could possibly inflict or 
permit them if they weren't. Either way, we're for it. Bad things happen to good people. Romans 8, verse 28 says it this way, and we know that in all things, in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. In what things? In all things. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So we talked earlier, creation is broken. We are currently living in a broken world. One day, all things will be new. But for now, bad things happen to good people. There is an author to that brokenness. That author is the devil, our spiritual enemy. And the Bible says that God works all things. In other words, he takes what the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for good. He looks at your life from an eternal perspective, almost like a heavenly surgeon. And he takes even what the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for good. Prayer. Ask. Seek. And knock. In other words, pray from your heart. Be real. Pray from your gut. Pray what you really, really, really want to pray. And, and understand that your God, your heavenly Father, is a good God. And his will can be trusted. He answers. Listen, he answers every single prayer. Sometimes he changes the situation. And sometimes he changes you. Jesus goes on. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. That's a golden rule. Do they still teach the golden rule nowadays? Do they? The golden rule? Okay, the golden rule says do unto others what you would have them do unto you. That's the golden rule. Well, what's going on here? It's like, is this ADHD Jesus? Right, like he's going on about prayer, right? He's going on, hey, this, is, this is how you pray, ask, seek, knock, trust his will, and all of a sudden he says this. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just, one, just, just put the prayer thing aside for a moment, and let me just give you a, like a little bit of a golden rule here. Be nice to people. Okay, back to prayer. No, no. Did you know, for those of you who have heard the golden rule, did you know that it was spoken in the context of a sermon about prayer? So what's Jesus talking about? What does do unto others as you would have them do unto you have to do with prayer? Well, assuming that we are to pray from the heart, pray from the gut, and, and assuming that we're, we're, we're believing that every single prayer will be answered, that sometimes he'll change us, sometimes he'll change the situation, do unto others what you would have them do unto you, this is what it means. I've been asking myself this question over the last six months. If God answered every single prayer I prayed exactly as I prayed it. If God answered every single prayer I prayed exactly as I prayed it, would the world change? Or would my world change? If God answered every single prayer that you prayed exactly as you prayed it, would the world change? Or would your world change? Some of you are looking at me right now going, that's a bit of a bait and switch, Mike. You start out at the beginning going, hey, 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 just pray from the heart. Pray for the, hey, if you want to pray for traveling mercies and convenient parking and that your team would win and that she would date you and that he would notice you and that you would win the lottery, just pray it. And now I come back and say, you superficial wingnut. Are you kidding me right now? That's your prayer. 
Oh, great. So if you've got traveling mercies and convenient parking, the world's going to be a lot better place. No, that's not what I'm saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. Pray from the gut. Pray from the heart. And then, after you're done being absolutely, completely real with God, then discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. Discipline yourself to also pray for others as you would want them to pray for you. So yeah, for sure, for sure, pray from the gut. And when you're done, and it can be as long as you want. Say, man, I thought this only took five minutes. By the time I got done praying from the gut, it was like 35 minutes. That's awesome. Pray from the gut, and when you're done, discipline yourself to pray for others. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for your small group. Pray for your church. Pray for your neighborhood. Pray for your city, wherever your city is if you're watching online. I think often about why God plays Southside Church in the world. Specifically, I think about my city of Chilliwack, and I, and, and, and I really believe, honestly, I really believe that we need to pray for our city all the time. That marriages would be better because Southside Church exists. That kids would be loved more because Southside Church exists. That, there's be, that there would be people who are caught in the agony of longing to change their unchangeable past that would be set free through Jesus. That there would be people who feel absolutely powerless to change that would find that power through the Holy Spirit. That there would be people who just feel broken without hope that would be reconciled to God through his son. That this city, honestly, the marriages in this city, the schools in this city, the lives in this city would be changed. So honestly, pray from the gut. Pray from the heart, do it. And then discipline yourself to pray for others. I think it'll start out as a discipline, but you're gonna love it. You're gonna absolutely love it. Because God's gonna open your eyes more and more, and you're gonna, you're gonna learn to love praying for other people. So ask, seek, and knock. Be real, right? And then know God is a good father. You can trust him. And as you pray for yourself, begin slowly to discipline yourself to pray for others. It's amazing to me that when Jesus preached this sermon, he used bread and fish as an illustration. You know, just a few weeks earlier, Jesus was preaching a different sermon up on a hillside. And, and Jesus kept preaching and preaching and preaching. It was a really, really, really long sermon. But no one cared because it was a great sermon. I mean, I got another hour and a half of my sermon left today, and I know none of you guys are going to care. It's going to be awesome. No, but, but, but he, kept, he kept preaching so long, no one was complaining. But finally, listen to this, finally, his disciples, Jesus' disciples came up to him. And they approached Jesus in what could be considered, as you approach Jesus and ask him a question, could be considered a prayer. And, and, and maybe some of you have heard this story before, because when they approach Jesus, they say, Jesus... Could, could you please send these people home so that they could get something to eat? There's thousands of them there. Thousands and thousands upon thousands of people there. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, could you send these people home so they could get something to eat? And what does Jesus say? No. No, no, not gonna do that. Here's what we're gonna do instead. Give me those five loaves and those two fish. 
bread and fish again, right? And, and, and he takes them and he blesses them and then he gives them to the disciples and the disciples hand them out to the thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. And at the end, there's more leftovers than they started with and that's prayer. That's it. Pray from the gods. Be real. And then also, as you pray for yourself and you pray for others, know that he is a good God, a good God who loves you so much. He's a how much more God who will do more than you could ever imagine or even request. Let's close. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. And whether you're online or in person right now, I guess my question for you is how are you? Maybe you're here for the first, second, or third time, and I wonder if you're in a place in your life where you're just feeling overwhelmed with, the, with this unchangeable past. Feeling like, man, if you could go back and undo things, you would, or if you could go back and escape some of the things that happened to you, you would do that. You want that with all your heart. I want to tell you something, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he stepped into human history to deliver you past your past to bring you forgiveness right here and right now and to bring you healing. Or maybe you're here today and you're just feeling kind of broken inside. You don't really know where your hope comes from but you feel alone. I want you to know you're not alone. As Jesus stepped into history, he lived, died, and he rose again so that you could be reconciled to your creator, to God. Not just today, but tomorrow and forever. All you have to do is ask. Or maybe you're here and you're online or in person. You're just feeling powerless, you know? Feeling like there's this person, there's this picture of what I want to be. There's this picture of this victory that I want to experience. There's this picture of the freedom that I want to live out in my life. But I ain't there. What I want to tell you is that when you place your faith in Jesus, he sends you his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit's going to give you power. One step at a time to step into everything you were meant to be, every part of the life that you were meant to live. So if today is the day that you wanna take hold of that, everything that needed to be done was done through Jesus and his death and resurrection, if today is the day that you wanna take hold of that, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, can you just raise your hand up for me nice and high right now so I can pray for you, that's awesome, awesome. It's amazing. Amazing. You can put your hands down. I love it. Whether you're online or in person, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pray out loud and I just ask you if you just raised your hand to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, I want to ask you a question. Today I ask you, would you be my savior? As you died on that cross and you rose again, I want to give you today my sin and my shame and my regret. I want to walk away for good. And I pray also that you would begin to heal my hurts one step at a time. And Jesus, I want to ask you also today, would you be my Lord? My hope today, tomorrow, and forever. I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you into my destiny, into my freedom, into everything that you created me to be one step at a time. I thank you. 
I pray this in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate, church. Three things. I still got an hour and 23 minutes, so I'm, I've got lots of time for three things. Now, number one, hey, if you just raised your hand and prayed that prayer, I'm so incredibly stoked. So incredibly stoked. Just do me a favor and, and text the keyword LIFE to 604-670-3040. We're stepping into freedom, and we're meant to do it together, so we just want to help. Secondly, we want to become a people of prayer. Not perfect people, but a people of prayer. So one of the things I've been trying to do throughout this series is kind of help you with a guided prayer each week. And so you can text the keyword five to that same phone number, and we have a guided prayer for you this week that's kind of focused on the idea of requesting, of asking God. And finally, I want to remind you once again, next week we're going to close this thing out. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Be here online, in person. Bring everyone you can. I love you guys a lot. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.